0: of questions that we're going to uh, talk at the uh, round table too so the first question uh, who should be responsible for addressing hunger and food insecurity so I, I will uh, I will not pick on anybody I'll let you unmute and, uh, and and go for it so whoever fancies taking that first question go on Evan and go can, for I, it
1: I can I can jump in if you want Anthony so yeah. uh, i mean it 's a superb question, and I, I mean I think i 'd come back to some of my comments earlier on that hunger, to a large extent is a function of a lack of ability to access food uh, that is available on the market i mean the, the The role of poverty in creating famines as opposed to the role of drought in creating famines is is well articulated well studied by the literature, and to a large extent. It's issues that linked with poverty that cause people to have access, lack of access. Also um, of course people in civil war conflicts or period, period, areas with civil unrest typically experience the worst hunger. So the, the, the causes of hunger are much more complicated than simply. Uh, availability of food, or the ability to produce food, or even the ability ability to distribute food, and are linked with poverty and conflict and whatnot. So, if that's the driver of hunger, then the, the answer then is who is responsible for addressing poverty and who's responsible for keeping civil society or um, uh, st- politics stable. And that then becomes, to a large extent, the role of government in one part. Uh, but the programs aren't necessarily agricultural focused; they're really focused on on poverty. And, and certainly in a, in a developing world context and in a developed world context, and I use those words very carefully, uh, you know, reducing poverty uh, programs is critical. Uh, increasing the enrollment of, of girls in primary schools is well known as a way of, of, of over the long term, addressing hunger and malnutrition. Um, and so it's those sort of po- policies that will get at the root causes of this. Of
0: course, Evan, it's... It's good to see. I think it was in Chiesa's, uh presentations that actually poverty and, you know, extreme hunger are reducing, albeit we've just had the COVID uh, or we are in the middle of the COVID pandemic and that may worsen things. But, you know, over the last 20 or 30 years, there's been massive progress in, in those areas, hasn't there?
1: So, Anthony, I, I gr- agree with you and I'd like to hear other panelists as well. I, my reading of the United Nations literature is that between about 1975 and 2015, there were year-in, year-out declines in poverty and hunger, uh, both as an absolute number and as a proportion of the world's population. But starting in 2015, we've now seen five years of continual increases in poverty and hunger, uh, linked to a large extent with civil war and, and worse poverty. Uh, now, climate change then undermines agricultural productivity, which exacerbates poverty for small-scale farmers. That's the link. Um, uh, but but yeah, we've for the last five years, unfortunately, we've started to move away from that continuous, decades-long um, movement of progress. It's very depressing, to be honest.
0: Yeah, no, that is. Does it, does anybody else want to just make a comment yeah. on that? Anything? I think
2: um, I can uh, confirm uh, even that. I could confirm that indeed uh, uh, the uh, the figures in Ethiopia are still. Improving, but they are also uh, sliding off now. Uh, we we are not achieving the same level of improvements that we received, that we managed, uh, let's say, from 2000 to 2015. Uh, so it is leveling off. And moreover, we can see that the amount of um, uh, animal source foods that are consumed by the general population is in fact decreasing the uh, the amount of meat in Ethiopia in the 60s was uh, something like 20 kilos a year. Now it is only eight kilos a year. So and that shows that you know food access access to uh, uh, to, to enough resources to buy animal source food is an important aspect. I I think uh, you know um, the, the 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 question is as well that we have to sort of restructure. The world. If we want uh, food security in the world, we um, we 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 need to rethink, maybe even capitalism, uh, because I think it automatically creates rich countries and poor countries. And poor countries, uh, in the poor countries, we see the the difference between rich and poor rapidly increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what capitalism brings. So we also see uh, a lot of the rural people. Um, in fact, dropping out, and, we, uh, and in just in my time in Ethiopia, I've seen the number of poor people increasing in by by a million a year, about, and also a very small group of very rich people that mm-hmm. have the obesitas, of course, over.
0: Do you think um, the uh, people are on, on the the um, seminar? Do you think that there's also a responsibility of government? Um, you know, rich governments. The UK is. Has actually decreased its commitment to give 0.7 percent of its GDP. Is that something that we really need, perhaps to to relook at, you know, as as rich nations to actually make sure that we're doing that, and and maybe a, a larger percentage.
3: Well, I, I, clearly, it makes a difference, but it shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't depend on donor money only. You know, there's also within countries themselves, and I just I was trying to <laughs> to contribute earlier. Um, I mean, as 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 Hayes and Evan have said, it's it's terribly complex. But I think that you know, livestock and all of us working in, in in animal health and animal production and so on, we do have a role to play. If you think of the sustainable, the UN sustainable development goals, that livestock contributes directly to eight of them and indirectly to all of them. So we are right there. It's it's, it's we you cannot you cannot. You know, uh, work towards achieving those sustainable development goals if livestock is not considered. So, so I think we, we can and we should really perhaps be be more involved. and And I agree with with, with my predecessors. You know, access is such an important uh, aspect uh, that many of us in this part of the world, you know, take for granted. But we really and, and that is part of the research also that we are conducting. That for many may seem so obvious, but there is still a lot of need to really reduce the animal source production costs. So you know we know that feed can take up to eighty uh, percent of, of of production costs. So as much as I think as a vet that animal disease or livestock disease is important, you know, it is of course, but feeding livestock, feeding is also incredibly important if we want to reduce the cost of, of these animal source foods. So
4: yeah, that is. uh...
0: (coughs) That's great. Thank you so much, Saskia. Maybe move on to the second question. We've got a few questions to cover. Uh, What are the methods and tools to measure food insecurity? Could similar indicators used to measure food security in countries living at different economic stati- statuses?
3: I mean, Gijs mentioned in his presentation the global hunger index. I think that that is, that is a widely used uh, uh, index that, that can be applied to many settings and there, there are really, I think, about five methods or so that are used. So, estimating the mm-hmm. calorie intake per capita that FAO uses, so that is more at national level. Then you can also look at household incomes and expenditure. Um, you can also, and this is something that that in in our line of work, looking at 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 young children and so on, we use all these anthropometric uh, things of of head circumference and 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 the stunting, the height for age, and so on. So there are different different methods. I don't think there's a need of of a, as a lack of. Of 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 methods to to, to assess is also you know if you do that then what what are you going to do about it you know measuring is important but then what
2: so uh, maybe in support of that there is also a system developed by uh, FEO um, on IPC integrated face classification and in that way we identify I showed one map in my presentation where we have these five different levels. Of, um, of, of crisis or from no crisis to, 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 to crisis, to, <clears> to famine. So I think um, I agree we have got enough systems in place to measure. It is uh, more how are we going to deal with it over.
0: Thank you, Keith. That's That's fantastic. And Saskia. Our third question is, what are the best approaches to substantially alleviate hunger and food insecurity globally? You know, we're beginning to see those gains being lost as, as you know, over the last five years, things have deteriorated. Uh, how can we how can we turn that around again?
5: I think what we as a profession could do here, we could do our best within our abilities to contribute to the food security and to each country and each society. It is a very, very difficult to 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 give what is the best approach. There are differences between developing and developed world, and distribution. And we have heard from our fantastic speakers, and there are a lot of waste foods and and, uh, and it's enough food basically. It's 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 a little bit about distribution of that food. Maybe maybe we could do better. And I. I I think that that could be a good starting point
2: without going too much into details. Uh,
0: no, I think that's a really uh, great point, Milorad. Uh, anybody else want to?
2: No, maybe a little bit. Uh-huh. I would like to go. Um, may, may, we we need a, a change in 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 the world. We uh, maybe people have read read the book uh, Donut Economics, and I think we. A lot of the questions are raised in in, in, in that book. Uh, you know, we people in Ethiopia before they can have access to food, there need to be major changes in the uh, in the economy in the household economy. Um, I honestly, I've got people working uh, in my house. I would not know how to live off the money that I'm paying, and I'm paying. Uh, Almost triple what they are paid by, by non uh, foreigners. And, but I, I, w- I would not be able to live a day from that money. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, and mm-hmm. I think that's to, to, to establish a change in, in, in that, uh, having enough money to have access uh, requires much more than just distribution of food. Um, you know, it is it is
0: distribution of wealth as well, Keith. Uh,
2: exactly. We see distribution of wealth in the world. Yeah. Uh, we see now um, a small portion of the people becoming very rich, and and a majority of the people, in fact, poorer. And I think this is what needs to change. And that's why I mentioned uh, in the former thing, capitalism. Uh, yeah. I think we we should see the end of capitalism and create a different kind of, of, um, of situation in the world over.
0: Okay, so that's a really great point. I think there's also a book called Conscious Capitalism, maybe, you know, businesses, because, I, you know, will government solve this problem, or is it purpose-centered businesses coming up with ideas? You know, some of the great innovations that Evan was showing, is, is that part of the solution as well? I don't know if you want to comment on that, Evan, or, or Saskia, or Carla.
1: Sure. I mean, for me, it's 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 a portfolio of strategies that will need to be embarked on um, because there's no such thing as a, as a free lunch, and there's there's lots of trade tradeoffs. Uh, I would start with um, poverty alleviation strategies that focus on the most marginal. So, you know, education programs for 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 little girls in the developing world would be would be a, a pla- one place that I would I would really really start on. Uh, but that wouldn't exclude the importance of I think creating. Uh, national, international frameworks that pay farmers for um, environmental goods and services. And we've got beginnings of those sort of programs through the United Nations RED program. That's the Reduce Emissions through desert, Avoided Desertification and Deforestation program. Basically carbon credits for, for, for lower greenhouse gas emission uh, farming practices. So providing income streams to protect the environment is 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 a crucial part of the policy portfolio. Um, as is basic R and D into new technologies that would might be um, AI driven uh, planting systems through to alternative protein systems. Uh, you know, we're, I am increasingly of the opinion, and I think this probably came through in my in my remarks, that the digital agricultural revolution is upon us. The level of disruption will likely be huge, but it's a question of for policymakers and society to decide whether that. That this new wave of revolu- this new wave of innovation that's upon us does more than just breed a new generation of tech billionaires. Will it actually serve mm. public and, and global uh, environmental goods? So, I- innovation is the third part of the portfolio mm. that I would and, say. Is,
0: and is- COVID has been um, helping and being a catalyst for that digital decade that we've now begun at the twenty twenties, hasn't it? To yeah, really, it's it's throwing gasoline possible. on the fire. Yeah. <laughs> Any comments from uh, Saskia or Carla about that before we move on to the next question?
6: Yes, actually, I would like to comment that um, it is something that's happening here in Peru, and I see that it happens in every country, in many countries, uh, that we should understand we're part of, of a whole system and we must see the system as a, ho- as, as, as a whole, I mean, in, in, in its integrity. And each stakeholder of the system must have its role like very clear, and that's a problem we have here. The stakeholders, for example, the private companies don't have the role clear in, for example, a food safety system. I know it's food security system, but I, I, I'm telling you about the experience I've had here. So um, the academia is not uh, fulfilling its role to, I mean, to, to its best. So of, of research and, and, and educating more people in order to tackle food safety problems. So I think that it is very important for for governments and for also other stakeholders from private sector from the civil society to understand that they have a role and we have to fulfill it.
0: Right. Thank you, Carla. That's great. Just moving on to the next question, which I think is is one that's been really well covered within the presentations. So it's it's great to uh, to have so many vets in in the. Uh, as the speakers, uh, no offense, Evan. Uh, what is the impact of widespread livestock disease on food security at the different production systems—agrarian, agropastoral, and, and pastoral—or is that something that we, you know, we are beginning to sort out with with our technology and with our no, with our knowledge?
3: No, I think I saw some recent data. So we, I manage a project in the pastoral areas bordering uganda and kenya in east africa and because of the covid-19 uh travel restrictions and 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 impact on, on society so the normal dipping uh, of of animals against tick borne diseases uh couldn't couldn't happen and we clearly see you know uh, an increase in in in, in disease um, in, in uh, tick borne diseases but also death of 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 these uh you know Take borne relatively, I would say, preventable diseases. Of course, you know, if you only have four or five, uh, you know, maybe goats and, and, and two heads of cattle or, or more, you know, and you lose one of them, of course, it's going to impact severely on, on on your household wealth and and, and, and so on. And as has also explained, you know, these are, this is the buffer that these families have. And again, also because of these restrictions, many were not even allowed to go. To the field to plant, so harvest uh, all over the world have been severely impacted. And you know, what do you do if if you if the harvest fails? You sell the goat, or you sell you know, selling a cattle is is a, is a head of cattle is is a much bigger thing. But you know, the goats and 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 the so I think it has really really uh, impacted, and also you know, the disease itself, but also why the disease happened because of these external factors that that occurred. So, yeah, unfortunately, we, we will see, you know, things go worse before they go better again.
0: So COVID had a really bad effect on, on that whole kind of food security by, by stopping people just being able to get on and do their work as well. Yeah, yeah. Does anybody else want to make a, a point on that?
2: You, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is an issue that <laughs> is close to my heart, indeed. Yeah. Um, you know, in uh, pastoral areas of Ethiopia, we still have got huge young stock mortality.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, up to twenty-five percent of the sheep and goats, and up to fifteen uh, percent of the calves from cattle. Now. Diseases uh, like uh, PPR, CCCP, CBPP, whatever, lots of diseases have a major impact there on the young stock. So to have vaccination programs that are, in fact, relatively cheap could prevent a lot. Of course, on the other side, there is the environment, there is the droughts and whatever. How do we bring uh, past list into more an um, um, yeah, let's say economic or in the mainstream economy is that they can sell animals so you need infrastructure and, um, and I think the major thing as well in the pastoral areas is that uh, we need to, they need to secure the core dry season grazing areas and what we see is um, agriculture expanding into the core dry season grazing areas making pastoralism less viable because in times of droughts they are harder hit so i think there is an environmental issue we have to have much more a landscape approach in in developing livestock in these areas with li- with animal disease control integrated into that yeah i think that's uh, yeah my contribution i get, i have seen how let's say rinderpest eradication uh, I have seen that in the parcel areas, it was killing twenty percent of livestock every year. And uh, taking that one scores away uh, gave a boost. But then there are many other diseases, so we need yeah. a, a, a far better veterinary service delivery addressing many diseases at the same time. Over.
0: Does anybody else want to make a, a comment on that? Because it's obviously a. a- huge problem
6: yeah i must add i I belong to an authority and actually diseases also over all the impact economical impacts that has to people that work with animals uh also um limits the exports of countries of whole countries so when we detected for example some disease it was impossible for us to export any specific or different products to other countries so It also makes
0: an impact in the whole nationwide. I mean. Yeah. No, that's a great point, Carla. Um, Moving on to our next question, there may be insufficient recognition among educational institutions about this topic. Are there some resources educators could use to enable them to easily insert food security into the curriculum? Is that something we should be thinking about or?
3: I think uh, if I may start, you know, working yes, at a university, this is a, a topic that um, we try to also influence our colleagues. And again, for some colleagues, it's it's so, you know, many, and this is not a criticism, but many don't think beyond Florida or think beyond the US. So so really we need to also broaden uh, this up and and I think again that the pandemic has has shown uh, that also in the US there's so many food insecure uh, people that that, you know it's it's really not business as usual and has brought it home for many people. I've I've uh, um, uploaded some resources in terms of food security. There is something from FAO, a one and a half hour session that I thought was very interesting. USAID also has many many uh, materials. And then I think what is also important is, you know, making the link. And we didn't really touch upon that uh, today, but food security and gender. So, so really, we need to also consider and and when when in terms of educational materials, that is also something that we should address in, in whatever we we include in our curriculum, because that that does have a major impact on on household food security.
5: Uh, I I wouldn't just use this word that is insufficient recognition I would rather say that one way or another we don't articulate well our contribution and we we always teach about food security if we take food security as a combination of quantity quality and safety each of our core curriculum uh, veterinary curriculum and each veterinary school around the world is, is aiming to teach students how to protect animals, how to protect through animals, protect people and environment. <clears throat> uh, and, and, and that is maybe at the beginning the way how I try to articulate it. And Carla mentioned, and everybody mentioned one way or another what I'm saying now, all speakers in, in the summary. But what could be even more focused and more articulated on undergraduate level. But there is a big problem here. In a developed world, the most important problem or worry is used by date. If it is one day over, whether food is going to be thrown, is it safe or unsafe? While for Saskia says, and yes, in, 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 in Ethiopia and some other countries, that may not be the most important Mm. issue to teach and how to find the balance for us educationalists here it is not easy
0: I I like the idea from Evan that the food changes colour I think it was to to sort of stop us having to waste all these potatoes and eggs that we're wasting because of course this is criminal when we're throwing food away um Maybe we need to come to the final question. How do the veterinary profession and professionals play a role in the national and global efforts to ensure food security? I mean, I think the first thing I would say, obviously, including Evan in this as well, you know, as an agriculturalist, as well as veterinarians, uh, all of you are doing such a fabulous work in, in, in your different fields. So from me as, as kind of the audience, thank you for the fabulous work you're doing, but perhaps in, in a couple of sentences, How can we, as a global profession, actually, you know, improve and do better than we are doing at the moment? So um, a couple of sentences for everybody who wants to comment on that, and then we'll be moving over to Patricia to give us her final thoughts on the topic.
1: Sure. So, I mean, the biggest issue facing the food system, in my opinion, prior to the pandemic, well, the biggest two issues were distribution and poverty on one side and the environmental impact of production on the other side. Uh, so where animal agriculture and the veterinary professions rubber hits the road on those two issues is on the poverty side, where animal agriculture is a vital component of a livelihood for poor farmers. Uh, that's, that's crucial. And so supporting that, that, those people uh, to make sure that they are as profitable and financially viable as possible. And then the other side of the coin, addressing the disproportionately large effect that many forms of animal agriculture have on the environment today. And, and for me, focusing on those two big issues is is the really crucial part of the, um, this big project of, of Feeding the Future.
0: And I will just give a little plug again, the, the email there, feeding9billion.com. I, I haven't heard of it before, uh, Evan, but I will have a look at that uh, after the talk. Uh, does Milorad want to go next?
5: I just want to say, and I'm sorry for repeating myself, we haven't articulated well so far how we contributed to the current situation and food security and in order that would be a benchmark for for an improvement then we yeah. haven't articulated it nationally and internationally we could do better in explaining what we do and how we
0: contribute no i think that's a great point
3: well i think carla did an excellent job with her presentation it's really you know with that initial figure from the World organization for animal health and then going step by step and also you know the you know the the assumptions of colleagues. You know why do you have as a vet a role in this to play? You know we, we I agree that we need to do better, but I think today was was at least a, a, a very uh, good presentation. I really enjoy that, and and I will use some of that you know in, in future in future presentations myself. Thank you, Carol.
0: I think it was also a great point from you, Saskia, of of how. Involved animals are in, in fulfilling those UN goals of sustainable development, and they are, I think, a fabulous resource that the UN have put together to make us, you know, help us be clear about where we can contribute and, and make a difference in the world. So, thank you for for that within your presentation. Uh, maybe Carla, uh, oh, yes, yes, go on. You go next.
2: Yeah, maybe if in developing countries uh, livestock is often under the Ministry of Agriculture. And livestock always has to compete with agriculture. And if you look to the funding levels, livestock is always pulling the shortest uh, match. It's um, Underfunding of many programs is an issue. And I think uh, if we are living in one global world, and we have diseases that can easily spread from Africa to other countries. We have seen African swine fever leaving the continent to Asia and what it does, what impact it has. I think it is, we we, we have to look at diseases from a global perspective and um, and funding for disease control might come from outside because in Africa, it's difficult to get the the funds together to to do a program, let's say a vaccination program for uh, for, for 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 uh, for PPR in the past, whatever. Yeah. The funds is not there. We are competing with with health, with 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 education. Maybe because it was before mm-hmm. mentioned in Ethiopia, fifty uh, percent of the population is below eighteen years. And if you talk about education, and you have to educate 50 percent of the population how many teachers do you need how many schools do you need and so the funds are going there and, yeah. and livestock is pulling the shortest string. and i think international community could assist in in in, uh, in the control of these diseases over
0: okay yeah, so that's a great point i know one of my friends is very involved in a charity called send a cow i, I think this is you know areas that we can really help in but uh... Carla, I'm going to leave you with the final words.
6: Yeah, thank you. No thank pressure. You. <laughs> thank you, Saskia, for the nice comments. I think that something I've learned here teaching uh, veterinary students is that we have to build a food safe. well, actually, I was addressing food safety, but a food security uh, culture. It's, I think that if you do that in faculties, you can start like from the first year and all courses, like uh, focusing on in a way of course the, the ones are relevant, uh, focusing on this food security problem and telling veterinarians that they are completely capable of tackling it, working with in, in multi multidisciplinary teams. So um I think this is the 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 best part of being a veterinarian is that we can like um enjoy being part of different teams and we can communicate with other people but we really must learn how to work in teams and we really must understand our role in this um in this situation that is of course affecting everyone thank you
0: thank you so much carl that's beautifully put together i i think great to see all the veterinarians but evan you'll be proud of me i've got my apple that i started to eat during the break i'm Conscious that I probably don't do 39% of fruit and veg. So that's going to be my learning point that I'm going to start trying to have a bit more of a balanced diet as well. So I'm going to pass over now to the World Veterinary Association president, Patricia, to give her thoughts and, and to close the meeting. So thank you, everyone. And over to you, Pat.
4: Thank you so much, Anthony. And I'm, I'm really not going to try to add anything to Uh, What individuals have said, I really want to thank our distinguished speakers and panelists uh, for helping the World Veterinary Association to start a conversation on this critical topic of global food security. It's um, a topic that will require active engagement of veterinary professionals around the world. And um, as has been emphasized, it is really important that we be explicit about the role of veterinarians in this global challenge. I'd also like to thank the WVA Secretariat and the One Health Strategic Focus Group, as well as Webinar WebinarVet um, for um, organizing such an excellent group of speakers and for um, this very smoothly um, run seminar today. As has been mentioned, all of this material will become available um, for um, participants and others um, on the website in the not too distant future. So thank you so much again um, and thank you as well to our, our attendees and participants today for all of your great questions. Thank you.